Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm Jane Van Ryan. A controversy is brewing over the building of a major pipeline that could carry oil sands-derived crude oil from Alberta, Canada, to refineries on the Gulf Coast. There's no doubt that America needs the oil to produce gasoline and other oil products for consumers, but critics have posed several objections. To discuss this controversy, we have Dan Gunderson on the telephone with us today. Dan is a consultant to API and is well-versed in the proposed Keystone XL pipeline. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Shane. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Dan, please tell our listeners about the Keystone XL pipeline. Who wants to build it? Well, TransCanada is the corporation that is building it. They're, they're a major pipeline company that is attempting to extend the pipeline infrastructure from the oil sands of Alberta south into the U.S. Canada is our largest supplier of crude oil, democratic nation, uh, friend, you know, our cousins to the north. And so this is a great opportunity to bring crude from uh, from Canada to supply our refineries in uh, south-central U.S., places like Oklahoma and down in the Gulf Coast region. How many jobs would be created by this pipeline? These are big numbers. $20 billion in total spending with about one, and, and get this, 119,000 person years of employment. Now, that's that's almost impossible to, to comprehend. When you, when you talk about, for example, organized labor and the people that build pipelines, we're looking at upwards of 10,000 jobs just putting the pipe in the ground from North Dakota down to Missouri. Well, jobs of that magnitude would certainly be welcomed, I would think, during this economic climate that we've been going through for the past couple of years. But what's the approval process for the pipeline? I understand that the State Department is involved. Well, they, they have to approve, the Secretary of the State, Hillary Clinton, has to approve the, the crossing permit in, in layman's terms to allow the pipeline to come from Canada into the U.S., and uh, that's really the critical step. And, and what the State Department is evaluating is the importance of this pipeline to uh, energy and uh, national security in terms of the needs uh, serving uh, fuel and our refineries in, in south and south-central U.S. But some concerns have been raised, I understand, about the proposed path of the pipeline, particularly in Nebraska, where Senator Mike Johans has expressed worries about an aquifer and the Sand Hills area. Now, I'm not familiar with that area, so perhaps you can explain it. Well, the, the Sand Hills in north central Nebraska are a sensitive environment. It's somewhat of a, I don't know whether prehistoric is the correct word, but it, it's, it's sort of an ancient area in terms of the topography and that. And, and the folks in Nebraska are rightfully concerned about anything that would Im impact that. What we've tried to do, uh, working with the industry, is to impress upon folks that this is by no means the first pipeline to go through the Sand Hills. It's, it's not the first pipeline. It's, it's one of many pipelines 
that would go through uh, over the uh, Oglala Aquifer, and that there are safety measures in place that would address any sort of a leak or spill, and that after the pipe's in the ground and the, uh, the work is done to restore the area, in most cases, in almost every case, no one would even know the pipe is there. Well, Dan, how is TransCanada dealing with local landowners who would need to give the company a right-of-way across their property? Well, with any major pipeline like this, uh, you, you have a, a long process going back a couple of years where landowners are notified as the project gets closer and closer to actually being a reality. They're asked to comment. There are right-of-way officials that come out and meet with them, and they've done that. Um, there's an assessment of what the what sort of intrusion there will be on their property and the cost it might it might incur. So, for example, if it goes across a cornfield, TransCanada is working with the local landowner to determine, okay, how many bushels will this affect in the next growing season? What's the value of that? And then typically there are some other uh, dollars added into the mix to account for inconvenience and, and the right-of-way spread and, and things like that. So. Uh, it's a long process, it's rigorous, and I know the company's dedicated to get, get input from the landowners. So they come to a, a mutual agreement on what the value is, and then a check is written. Uh, after that, then the company continues to work with landowners. After all, it's their pipeline on, on the landowner's property, so they, they, it's in their best interest to have good relations with landowners. Yes, I would think so. And also, how does the company plan to address any security or emergency response issues for the pipeline? Well, they they have a, uh, a central pipeline center, if you will, that measures. It's their control center that measures the operation. Uh, they can isolate sections of pipe if a spill were to occur. They're also working with local emergency response folks, whether it's volunteer fire departments, EMT personnel along the pipeline, all the way along the route for 1,600 miles, uh, and I assume into Canada as well, to make sure that they have great relations there so that should something happen, uh, it can be resolved and resolved quickly. But it's uh, the minute you find that there's a leak in the pipe, you isolate it, and then you shut that section of pipe down. Now, what folks want to know is, well, that continues to leak. Well, it's it, these sections are, are can, might be a mile long. It might be some miles long. So once you shut it off, there will be some continuing petroleum that will leak into the ground for a period. It moves very slowly. Uh, it will not contaminate an entire aquifer or, or even a portion of it. And the, pump, uh, the companies are, uh, are very quick to respond. Dan, you've already mentioned that Canada is the single largest supplier of crude oil to the United States. What would happen if this pipeline isn't approved? Well, to give, to give folks uh, perspective, the oil sands that we know of, the, the reserves in the oil sands of Alberta rival those of Saudi Arabia in terms of known reserves. So it's a huge amount of energy resource for us. And, you know, we're, we're, we're shifting, if you will, the, the, the flow of oil from south to north within the U.S., now from Canada south. And it's a great opportunity to work with, with the Canadians and, and our friends there to transport that fuel for that crude in, over a much shorter distance. If it doesn't come there, then we've got to find it. The refineries in Oklahoma and Texas that supply Missouri and Nebraska and elsewhere, they're going to have to find a replacement for it or they're going to have to replace it in the future. And that's when you begin to look to places like Venezuela and Nigeria and in the Middle East, which is further away and given national security issues is a lot more problematic. Good point. 
Now, you've been traveling in Nebraska and elsewhere in the Midwest to answer questions about the Keystone XL pipeline. What observations do you have about conversations you've had with reporters and people on the ground that live in that area where the pipeline could be built? How are your messages being received? Well, I think the message is being received well. I I think that there are some very legitimate concerns, as there should always be with major construction projects of this type, Uh, concerns about the environment particularly. And, uh, you know, lately those in the last year have been, have been great. And we, we know that those questions need to be answered. And what the media and the press has, has said is, you know, they appreciate the fact that uh, the industry is reaching out, that we're going out to answer questions, uh, hopefully in front of the issue, and to be available to answer any of these technical questions. We, the biggest problem that we're having is there's some distortions being placed out there that folks that may not, may have that, come from folks that may have an agenda other than just the environment, for example, in Nebraska. So we're trying to be straightforward and lay it out for them. Um, They don't always agree with us, but they're listening, and we think that in the long run they're going to balance the the environmental uh, compliance that we know is there with also the need for a new energy source from a friendly democratic country that makes us uh, secure as a nation and also secure as a people when it comes to energy. And balance, indeed, is the key, isn't it, between energy and the environment? It is. We're going, we're going to need petroleum well into this century, and that's uh, no amount of wishful thinking will, will change that. Uh, we need it for all sorts of uses, not just fuel. I mean, people need to be aware that if they have plastic or carpet or paint or asphalt or whatever, all of those things come from a barrel of oil. And as a matter of fact, almost one-third of a barrel of oil uh, produces those kinds of products as opposed to just fuel, diesel, or gasoline. Nicely put. Dan Gunderson, thank you so much for joining us today on Energy Tomorrow Radio. Thanks, Jane. It's great to be with you. Hope to come back. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.